On a show that talks about time traveling Bigfoot and alien sex cults, this is serious journalism, people. Serious. This time, this this like, time we mean it. If you think that there are not birds that are not <laughs> real, you're a moron. I do have a superstition that Satan and his minions yes. interrupt mm. technological yes. connections when conversations are getting yes. particularly interesting or, or important. At this point, I'm not throwing these weirdos out because maybe they're telling the truth. Why does everything have to be a hidden conspiracy where the <laughs> motives aren't really clear, where you can't tell what someone's intentions are from their words? Why, Abby, why? I, I feel like you're just not answering the question. There is a pattern here that is definitive, and mm -hmm. this leads us to the CEO's response, yes. which is not the way that you Amazing. want to play being accused of in a conspiracy theory. Yeah. Glowing metal things that are moving in impossible speeds and impossible directions, defying laws of physics, showing up over battlefields, showing up over important historical events for all of history. This is Chekhov's gun, you guys. It's the gun that's been sitting on the mantelpiece since Act 1. It's Act 3 now. I'm waiting for it to go off. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 21. Uh, we, are, we are here. Uh, I'm Abby. This is PJ. How's it going, PJ? It is going good. I am here again in another new location um, for streaming. Uh, yeah. So FBI, the last time you were in the FBI field office, now they've given you an actual studio in the FBI basement. So congratulations. That, yeah. I went from a closet to a basement is what happened. So um, is, I think my wife decided to start vacuuming. Can you guys oh, hear that? No. I'm like, why? Ah. Anyway, I was like, hey, guys, um, I'm in the basement now, so keep it down. And then it's just like as soon as we start, freaking vacuum right above me. I apologize, guys, but uh, you get this wonderful production quality, all thanks to the people who come over and support this show. So on Locals, we have some new supporters. We have Moxie Babe and Velveteen Wolves, our new monthly supporters. And then we have Immortal Day in Florida or FL. I think it's Florida. Breeze to you as new yearly supporters over yeah. on Locals. So thank you for coming over to conspiracypilled.locals.com, getting the bonus unhinged content. Uh, we have a really interesting one for you guys tomorrow. It's going to involve Florida Man. That's all I'll say. So if you guys want a whole episode uh, about Florida Man and weird Florida stuff, you should <laughs> definitely come over and support us and get that tomorrow. Um, and on Rockfin, we have Ethereal. So Rockfin's another option for you guys. It's kind of like a Netflix subscription. You get us, you get Isaac Weishop, you get a few others. Um, so that's one way to do it. But yeah, we're going to be talking about the Masons. I have been, we were supposed to do this last week. And then I put it off. But things, uh, happened. things happened. Things More happened. More things happened. But we're here. We're here. We're finally here. So I've been I've been feeling this mess I've been feeling this episode for months now like the like I don't know if I've been dreading it but I've been like anticipating this episode for a while so I feel like I have over researched and under noted so we're gonna see what happens with this one but <laughs> we sorry have, were you gonna say something we have a quick rumble rant from Thai guy burgers and fries been waiting for this one my grandpa was a Masonic grandmaster. <laughs> I'm ready to rip into grandpa's dirty laundry. 
Yeah, so this is this is a, a thing. Actually, the biggest reason I want to cover this episode and the reason I've debated over the way that we're going to cover this episode is specifically because of people who have sent us messages. We've gotten a lot of emails um, and just shout out to everybody who's messaged us, told us their family stories. We've had people send us pictures and tell us about things. Uh, and, and a lot of it comes with questions. A lot of it comes with, hey, I'm a Christian and my grandfather was a Freemason or my father's a Freemason. And I'm not really sure if that makes sense. Can you really be a Christian and a Freemason? Are they worshiping Satan? So we're going to get into like, who are the Freemasons? Because again, whenever we cover a new subject, we want to like get the ground, not just expect people to come in with knowledge. Like if we're going to do that, we'll reference you back to an earlier episode right. of ours. But in this case, we're going to try to go from the ground floor up. We're not going to get into every single cool conspiracy theory related to the Freemasons, but I'm going to hit on a lot of them oh, specifically because they're going to be future episodes. Um, but yes, I do. Ultimately, I want to answer the question. What do the Freemasons believe? Are they a cult? Is it a religion? Do they worship Satan? That whole thing. So just for, without any further ado, we're gonna we're gonna rip into type guy burgers and fries, grandpa's dirty laundry. We're gonna talk about what are the Masons. Uh, first of all, Abby, like how familiar are you with with the Freemasons? Like, is it something you've heard a million times but never really looked into? Do you know people? Basically, yeah. Like, it's yeah. something I remember the house I was living in when I had a conversation with my mom about it, and I was like, "What? There's this secret society that's like normal, and then but actually satanic." And so I just had like, this vague knowledge of like that it was bad. And then a couple years ago, John was like, what, what would you think if I joined the Freemasons? And I was like, no, damn. <laughs> and he's like, why? And I couldn't articulate an answer. You couldn't articulate like, why, but he's just heard about bad. it from people at work and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he just, he has work friends who are like, it's mm -hmm. just a, a, just a boys club. Just a, it's just a boys yeah. club. We get together uh, two Thursdays a month and drink beer and hang out and yeah. Yeah, do weird rituals and stuff like that. That is what most people believe. And and that is true. I want to say that, that is partially true. Um, the whole idea that it's just a guy's club is partially true. And it's part of the reason why we titled the episode the way it is. And we're going to get into all of it. But uh, yeah, most people would call the Freemasons a secret society. They prefer to call themselves a society with secrets. So oh. they're not, well, because they're not really, like everybody knows who they are, right? Like you I go into so. a town, every single town, no matter how small, you see like the Freemason logo on the welcome to, you know, whatever town it is, Vicksburg, whatever, just name a town. And it's got, you know, the Freemason logo. You'll see a Freemason lodge somewhere always. Like I mm -hmm. saw this all the time as a kid and I was like, this, what's this compass? What's this eyeball? Like, I don't know what these things are. I remember the first time I met a Mason and it felt weird. I was like 16 and I didn't like, I'd heard of them, but mm -hmm. it's like, you never thought, and I probably met them before that, but like never when someone would just come out and talk about like their time as a Freemason, I'm like who talks about being in a secret society so openly? It was weird. Right. Um, and we've, we've met a few this last year. Um, yeah. we, well, one in particular, we're going to talk about him on this show, but, uh, according to the Masonic service association of North America, there's about 898,000 Freemasons in the United States as of 2020. And they're an estimated 6 million Freemasons worldwide. So modern Freemasonry basically it, it consists of two main groups. And I say basically because there's, there's some questions and play in that. But the two main groups are regular Freemasons who have four specific rules that are not followed or not always followed by the other type of Freemasons, which are the continental or as I like to call them, the liberal Freemasons. Um, so the regular Freemasons 
have have these rules. The first rule is that a volume of scripture be open in a working lodge always. Like so, whenever the lodge is open, there will be. It doesn't have to be a Bible, but there has to be a religious book of scripture open. Right, like that's okay. one rule. Uh, that and then that goes into the second rule, which is that every member professes belief in a supreme being. And again, it doesn't matter which one, um, but you will hear the Freemasons call this. You know, whatever being the grand arc, the great architect of the universe. So there's some debate over whether or not there is a Ooh, Freemason exactly. God, if it has mm-hmm. a specific name. Um, we'll talk about that more later. But that's that's the one thing is like you have to believe in a supreme being, a great architect of the universe. Uh, but we're not going to tell you which one. Sort of. I feel like okay. So remember when we watched Star Wars, and then a lot of the Christian parents and stuff were like, "How can we make this?" How can we force this to be yeah. Christian themes? Yes. It feels like that where someone's like trying so hard to make something Christian that they're not being actually discerning. That is okay. I, yeah. Cause you guys already know my thoughts, our thoughts on Freemason. So I'm not holding anything back here for like a big reveal at the end. Yes. A hundred percent. That is what is going on in Freemasonry. Like I've said it before, people are reading Christ into something that Christ is not there because they want it to be there. So there's a lot of Christians who become Freemasons thinking that, and they, as I'll show, you have to kind of ignore a lot of things. You have to really blind yourself to a lot of what's really going on to believe that this is a Christian organization or that it's an organization friendly to Christian beliefs. Um, but yes, that is how it, that's, it's the same as Star Wars. People are reading a very Hindu Buddhist uh, Gnostic. Actually, Star Wars is Gnost- is Gnosticism in in a film, right? They're they're watching a Gnostic film and going, "How can I read Christianity into it?" Uh, and it doesn't fit. Like this, the the morality in Star Wars does not fit with Christian morality. So anyway, um, is, okay. Is it true that you can only Freemasonry is only male, or is there like a female? That's what we're getting to. The next okay. rule is that no women be allowed. Bros before hoes. That is the regular Freemasonry is no women allowed, right? Then the fourth one is that there be no discussion of religion and politics within the lodge. So this might remind, Hmm. maybe you remember another one that's like this. uh, I think it goes weaving spiders come not here. Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. We'll talk more about the links to, um, to, uh, why can't I think what the Bohemian club, Bohemian Grove. So, so what you're talking about with women is the continental or liberal Freemasonry, which to be honest, I, I think it's mostly appeasement. I, I think ultimately these groups are not super important, but you've got like black lodges, women lodges, things like that, that are just like, look, we're inclusive. Get off our back about our secret society. That's for, you know, the rich male elite, right. like type people. It's a, it's a guy's club, right? Like, so there is the Eastern star, which mm-hmm. is the female Freemasonry group, okay. uh, which right there again, like Eastern star, Venus, Lucifer, you might say. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a kids youth group one that's called Demolay, who was the 23rd and last grandmaster of the Knights Templar, who's burned at the stake for heresy. So you'll notice throughout this whole episode in this supposedly because it's America, like this is the thing that people understand in America, Freemasonry parades as Protestant uh, Christianity in other places. It parades as Islam or Judaism or right. Hinduism, or whatever the flavor that is most popular in that area or region of the world is. Again, that's why in America, you'll hear people say, well, look, they have a Bible open. 
Yes, because we're in America. <laughs> like, but right. in parts of America, even it's not going to be that. It might, maybe it'll be like the Talmud. Maybe it'll be uh, the Quran. Right. So like. Right. Yeah. I anyway. Don't care which one it is. But what you will notice is that they all have Gnostic, uh, Kabbalistic teachings, things like that 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 come through, and it's not even super well hidden. Again, Order of the Eastern Star, Eastern Star being a reference to Venus, being a reference to Lucifer, mm-hmm. uh, Demolay, a, a heretical Knights Templar that was burned at the stake uh, for for kids. So let's go through the history of like where this came from because okay. there's kind of two different. Well, there's not two. There's a accepted history, and then there's the history that I want to talk about. <laughs> let's put it that way. So supposedly this start this organization started as a bunch of guilds of stonemasons that date back to at least the 14th century. It's believed that the groups began accepting speculative or honorary members to bolster their numbers. So Hmm. yeah. And in the 18th century, educated Englishmen aimed to commune with others and discuss issues of philosophy, religion. I love how they put this on their websites. I'm reading these. These are quotes, right? Of like the accepted history of Freemasonry. I'm not this isn't coming off the top of my head. Philosophy, religion, and life in an organized setting. Except you can't discuss. You can't supposedly discuss religion. Uh, so they join the Freemasons. This makes no sense. Like any honest person will say, this makes no sense. And if you read any of the Freemasonic websites, if you read Wiki, if you read any of these, they'll say this is our best guess based ah. on no evidence that the free that Freemasonry spurned out of a group of stonemasons who had a guild, aka unionized. Like it's a unionized guild of stoneworkers. And then all of the richest, most prominent people decided, I want to go hang out with a bunch of stoneworkers to talk about religion and philosophy. And the stoneworkers went, we really need more people in our union that don't do work. So like, it doesn't make sense is my point. I I don't buy this particular thing. Right. But it is the accepted speculation on where this came from. I don't know. Make of it what you will. Uh, It seems a little sus. Yeah. And and like, again, like nobody's pointing to evidence of where this comes from. They're just saying our best guess, Masonic historians. And again, they're always Masonic historians are telling the public that it was just a bunch of stone workers who unionized. Right. And then wanted to talk philosophy and hang out as a, as a guys club. So at one point they named each group uh, in England. (laughs) What's what's your husband doing in there? He, he, he brought my Glock because we forgot. Oh, So at one point, there was these different groups that were named after the pubs that they were going to in England. And they joined together on June 24th, 1717. And these groups getting together, these different Freemason groups getting together was what they called the first Grand Lodge. And this is kind of supposedly how modern day Freemasonry came to be. Again, just a bunch of of stone mason guilds, a bunch of, again, like, uh, what's the word? What's the modern day word for it? Unions, a bunch of unions, yeah, 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 a bunch of union workers get together at a bar and then decide to make the Freemasons, right? And like they get together a bunch of rich people and talk philosophy. It doesn't make sense. So I want to talk about this alternative history and where they might have actually come from. And one of the most popular theories on where the Freemasons actually came out of or actually who maybe took actual stonemason guilds and then transformed them into this, hid people amongst them and turned it into what it is, would be the Jesuits. So are you familiar with like Jesuit stuff? I, I thought I was, but growing up, like whenever I had history classes, I thought they were just kind of really cool Catholics. 
awesome. And that is how, that is literally how like um, <laughs> a lot of trace. Catholics, I was listening to, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember who it was. He was on a Glenn Beck show. And he was like, yeah, the Jesuits are like the spec ops of the Catholics. Some of people will call them like the CIA of, the, of Catholicism, right. which I'm not sure is as cool. Special like, forces. It's not as cool as calling them special forces, but it's probably way more honest. Let's put it that way. Like okay. there's a lot of shady stuff behind the scenes the, with the Jesuits. But sure. this is not going to be about the Jesuits. I'm going to give a brief history of people who don't know and how they might be related. But essentially... In 1540, this guy, uh, Ignatius of Loyola and six companions founded the Jesuit order, the Society of Jesus within the Catholic Church with the approval of Pope Paul III. Now, this guy, Ignatius of Loyola, in 1509, took up arms for Antonio Marquis de Lara, and he was a second duke of something I can't pronounce, Najera. And in 1521, he was injured by a cannonball ricocheting off of a nearby wall, messed up his leg. He had to get all this surgery and his leg ended up being shorter for the rest of his life and he couldn't walk right. So out of the military. And while he's recovering, he gets this deep interest in religion. And this is kind of like where he becomes this warrior monk, right? Like this is the idea of the Jesuits is this group of warrior monks who like essentially are going into China, like infiltrating like... Chinese cities and so like spreading the, the word of Jesus, yeah. okay. right? It's the CIA for Christ is what they, is what they claim. We're not going to get into the assassination stuff, the black Pope, all of the conspiracies around it, other than where they might've influenced the Freemasons. Sure, so sure, sure. while studying at Salamanca in 1527, uh, loyal, uh, Ignatius of Loyola was brought before an, uh, ecclesiastical commission on charges of sympathy with a group called the Alumbrados. Okay. Uh, have you ever heard of the Alumbrados? No, not at all. Not even they're, once. They're a group of Gnostics in Spain and Italy. They were and started in 1942, but they were started under a different name that maybe you have heard, the Los Illuminados. Oh. Right. Yes. Okay. So okay. like in Resident Evil 4, which we did play on this on this channel, yes. uh, the Los Illuminados is the Resident Evil's version of the Illuminati. It's like a real group. It's spelled a little different. But it um, literally, uh, alumbrados means light and illuminados means like illumination, right? Like illuminated, okay. illuminated gotcha. people, right? And this is hundreds of years before the Illuminati who used that same type of name, hmm. right? And uh, Are we sure so, it was hundreds of years before the Illuminati? Yeah, I think I said 1942 earlier and I meant 1492. So I'm just going to point or it was either... 1492 or 1442. I totally messed that up my in my notes before somebody's like, how's that hundreds of years before? Anyway, my point is this group was started back in the 1400s and the Alumbrados held that the human soul can reach such a degree of perfection that it can even in the present life contemplate the essence of God and comprehend the mystery of the Trinity. All external worship, they declare, is superfluous. The reception of the sacraments useless and sin impossible in the state of complete union with God. Persons in this state of impeccability could indulge their sexual desires and commit other sinful acts freely without staining their soul. So essentially, it's this weirdo cult of we can do Do whatever whatever depraved shit we want as long as we say that we're very illuminated and we're like really in touch with God. It's just like every other cult that turns into like, right. You know, it's always getting weird sex stuff. It's always, always weird sex stuff. Yeah. Right. So the inquisition comes after this group. They find Ignatius of Loyola was like a fan of theirs and he gets off with just a warning, like don't be a fan of theirs, but there's like some evidence that he continued to have 
weird beliefs along those lines throughout the rest of his life. Okay. So, so again, the guy that started the Jesuit order. Then in 1773, Pope Clement the 14th issued a papal brief ordering the Jesuits throughout the world to renounce their vows and go into exile. So not going to get into the whole thing, but like there's some like assassinations, some stuff that's going on. They're like, we don't really trust th- these, this like yeah, not a fan CIA of group yeah, within the Catholic church. <laughs> Usually those secret groups do bad stuff. So they disband them in 1773, but while they're getting disbanded, there's this guy in the, in the Jesuit schools named Adam Weishaupt, um, or actually just came out of the Jesuit schools called Adam Weishaupt. He was a Jesuit professor of Vatican canon law. He'd been training at the Jesuit school since the age of seven, and he supposedly became a, a Protestant in 72, even though he was still working for Jesuits in a Jesuit school in 73 when they were disbanded. Mm-hmm. So there's like people that you go, go, well, he's not a Jesuit. He quit, right? And there's other people saying, but did he though? Uh, so he uh, was the only non-clerical professor at this institution run by the Jesuits. So it looks, it looks fishy that he would like just leave the Jesuits while working for them like, in the heart of their whole thing, right? Yeah. In a school they still controlled after the Jesuits were supposedly disbanded. And the Jesuits come back later, by the way. They're like reinstated, but we're not, that's not part of the story right now. So um, Adam Weishaupt is the guy who created the society uh, that you might have heard of called the Illuminati. And not, he, to, not to be confused with the super cool elite all female knitting club, the Illuminati. Just to be, I believe be that's clear. pronounced Illuminati. But yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I knew there were some 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 <sighs> confused people in the chat that we were right. talking about the knitting club, but we're but we're not. No, we're talking about the Bavarian Illuminati. So he created the society to copy the rites and rituals of Freemasonry, and he, but it was with his own agenda, right? Like supposedly, and so he's attending Freemason lodges. He's going into, uh, you know, he's getting his blue uh, blue lodge mason. We'll talk about that in a minute. Degree, and he's going to this like secret other order that doesn't exist anymore. And uh, while he's like figuring out like how to take the rites and rituals and ideas from the Freemasons to incorporate into his group called the Illuminati he decides that they're going to take the owl of Minerva as their symbol. So another hmm. little reference. Yeah. Wait, right. again, Bohemian Grover. Okay. All right. Right. Yeah. So that's what I'm, yeah. Uh, so in 1785, Charles Theodore uh, and his government uh, of Germany banned all secret societies, including the Illuminati. Right. So this is, uh, this is the excuse that we're given is that the Illuminati started in 1776 Nine years later, the government outlaws it and it goes away. But Freemasonry didn't go away, right? Like the Odd Fellows, the you know all these other like smaller societies also t- did not go away. And this is kind of the belief is that we're told you know the Illuminati went away, but instead, people uh, what they're saying is that they infiltrated the Freemasons and that there is a secret inner group within the Freemasons that is the Illuminati. That is where they disappeared to. So in 1798, George Washington and GW Snyder are speculating in, in a correspondence back and forth of whether or not the Illuminati had infiltrated the American Freemasons. So this is uh, 13 years after the Illuminati supposedly disbanded and George Washington himself you know, master Freemason George Washington is speculating whether or not Adam Weishaupt is literally in America, like infiltrating the American Freemason Freemasonry. And that's where the Illuminati went to. So that's a whole nother episode, but I just wanted to point out, like there's all those ideas of the Illuminati being a, uh, an actual Jesuit order and then them infiltrating the Freemasons. So it's kind of a stretch to get there, but that's where it goes. Uh, I'll also point out that the all-seeing eye or the eye of providence is the symbol of the Jesuit order. 
which doesn't necessarily have to be weird because the it's an old symbol. It's right. it's kind of an Egyptian symbol. Some people have claimed it as Christian. The the, the Catholic Church has quite literally claimed it as a Christian symbol. Um, they okay. say it's just the eye of God. Uh, so to see it, what eye of God? I'm talking about the eye of providence. The the, no, no, the no, no, no. I know, but like triangle the, being the Trinity in the eye. Yeah, no, I know what you're but saying. But they say it's the eye. Of, like, but, okay. Eye of which God? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> no, I mean like. Right. Does our God have eyes? Like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's just a symbol, right? So like the symbol people argue over like who it belongs to, if this person's using it, that person's using it. Like that is the one thing that people say about Freemasons is they took everything and there's a reason for it. And I want to get into that, to that concept soon. It's going to have to do with Helena Blavatsky uh, a little bit, you know, and her, her ideas of theosophy. Essentially Mm -hmm. theosophy is kind of the exact same religion. When I say, I've said this before, when I say there's two religions, uh, not, not the eye of Horus, that's different. Um, The eye of Sauron? The Eye of Sauron. That's the one. Thank you. <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the Palantir. Um, no, what I was, what I was saying is like what you'll see with HPV is HPV, Helena Blavatsky. Helena Blavatsky. I can never remember her middle name. Um, we've talked about her on, on previous episodes. She started this thing called theosophy. And in theosophy, it's essentially like, let's take every religion there is all the, and, and combine them into one. As you'll see as we get into like what the Freemasons teach, especially people like Albert Pike, mm. it's the same thing. Like it's when I say there's two religions, I mean that there's like the Christian religion and then there's all the ones that are like saying we're all related and we all have the same stories and all the stories equal the same thing and it all kind of comes back to the the snake in the garden being the good right. guy. Like this just it just is and it, it takes sometimes a lot of research to get there. If you read Albert Pike, you'll realize he says this through a 46 hour long book in a lot of cryptic and weird ways, but we'll get, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but just to wrap up my thoughts on like the possibility of Freemason be Freemasonry being infiltrated by, uh, by, I got the wrong picture up by the, uh, by the, sorry, the Jesuits. Uh, I've got this quote from Blavatsky. It says, it's curious to note that the uh, that most of the bodies which work these, such as the ancient and accepted Scottish Rite, the Rite of Avignon, the Order of the Temple, Fessler's Rite, the Grand Council of the Emperors, and the, of the East and West, Sovereign Prince Masons, etc., etc., are nearly all the offspring of the sons of Ignatius Loyola, the Baron Hunt, Chevalier Ramsey, Tushdi, uh, Zinnendorf and numerous others who founded the grades in these rites worked under instructions from the general of the Jesuits. And this actually comes uh, into this idea that sometime in the 18th century, Jesuits, Jesuits are believed to have helped invent the degrees of Kadosh, uh, which are the 19th through the 30th degrees of the Scottish rite. So okay. there's not a, t- there's not a ton of proof for it. There's just a lot of people saying, here is where the the, the Jesuit order was, right. and it happened to be the exact same place that the rites of Kadosh or the degrees of Kadosh were developed. And we think that they got very involved in the the Freemasonic degrees. And and okay. people like Helena Blavatsky, who have studied every occult everything and was herself a, a Freemason of the women's order, the Eastern Star or whatever. Okay, uh, that's her belief as well. So that's kind of where that one goes. Sorry, let me know if you have any questions about that. Okay, I do have a question inspired by a comment from Lorna about ribeye steak coming from biblically accurate cows. 
Um, <laughs> what if the eye is a reference? If if everything is fallen, everything but Christianity is fallen angel worship. What if the eye is a reference to the eyes of biblically accurate angels? You talking about like the seraphim with all the eyes all over them? Yeah. It could be. I, we'll come back to it. I want to. Okay. I want to move on with this next part. But okay, yeah, sorry. I want to talk more about the eye thing in a minute. No, it's all good. It's all good. So PJ the, made the mistake of telling me before the show that I could ask as many questions as I wanted. I want you to ask questions. Um, Just less. No, no. I want to get to the symbols in a minute, though. That's my okay, point. Okay. So uh, another thing that people say that uh, Freemasonry is born out of is this cult called Mithraism. Have you ever heard of this one? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. The Mithraic Mysteries or the Cult of Mithras uh, was a Roman mystery religion centered around the god Mithras. Mm-hmm. And the mysteries were popular among the Imperial Roman army from the first to the fourth century CE or okay. AD. I hate, I, I hate it when they say CE it's 80 guys. Um, <laughs> so the idea here being that the Freemasons are actually in a way, a continuation of Rome, right. And a continuation of right. Roman mystery schools and religion. Yes. Um, the worshipers of Mithras had a complex system of seven grades of initiation. So similar to, other mystery schools like the Freemasons. The Freemasons aren't the only ones that have like degrees of like, you know, initiation. Right. Um, but their initiates did call themselves the Syndioxi. I don't even know how that's pronounced, but okay. it, it translates to United by the Handshake. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so you've probably heard of the, oh my gosh, I'm clicking on all the wrong stuff tonight. You've probably heard of the Handshake thing, right? So like, a, yes. a, a not so hidden part of Freemasonry is all of their weird handshakes. It's one of those things where it's like, they still won't say it. It's just been so documented. Like they're right. held under secrecy not to talk about it, but everybody knows it. It's not a secret. Like what the Freemasonic handshakes are. In fact, we have books written by Masons that explain the handshakes. So it's, it's right. not really a secret, but that's Did why they again, invent the secret handshake. I don't, think so i mean there's probably an older example of it but they're definitely the ones known today is you know if you were to call somebody united by the handshake like that would be the freemasons right so that's the mithras uh or the mithraism cult uh they also met underground in temples and uh they were viewed as a early rival to christianity Mm -hmm. um and when you try to find out if they're related to the Gnostic, which was the other early um, rivals to Christianity, the Christian Gnostics, there's no way to know because there's no narratives or theology or anything surviving from this religion, just symbols, right? Gotcha. And the symbol thing is important. I want to come back to like why it's symbols and math because essentially like all the, the Freemason secrets are hidden in symbols and math. Yeah, like going, and that 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 dates all the way back to like Pythagorean and and before, right? Right. Really, in all honesty, like Egypt. Egypt is all like all we have left of Egypt is symbols and math, but it's telling something, right? And there's a reason why that lasted longer than anything else, right? Like even when we send stuff into space, what do we send? Like supposedly to like the alien thing. You ever seen that? Like um, yeah, like symbols and chart, (laughs) just symbols and math, just to be like, this is where we're at, and uh, this is what we look like. So it's just symbols of math. It's things that are going to last a long time. What I think it is, I'll just say it now. I was going to get to it later, but what I think it is, I think it has to do with the tower of Babel. I think it has to do with the idea that God confused their language. And I think they're tower of Babel worshipers. I, I in fact, no, they are. Cause we've talked to a 32nd degree Freemason who told us as much, but I think that's what it is. I think they're like, th- they have this story, this idea that God confused their language, mm-hmm. confused the Masons of 
the the people were building the the temple, right? right. And in order mm-hmm. to not have that issue again, everything is handled through mathematics and symbols, right? So if well, their language is- gets confused, they can continue to communicate and understand each other. This is basically what that high level Freemason who gave the talk at the conference we went to. That's what was I was saying. saying. That's that's what right. he said. Yeah. That he yeah, was I mean, all he into did. the like, math and he was definitely all over Babel. Well, he, yeah, and I was going to bring this up later. Let's just talk about now. So he brought up the idea that the all seeing eye, right, that's uh, on the dollar bill. Mm-hmm. He said, everybody thinks it's the Pyramid of Giza, but it's not. And you can tell this because it's not the right type of triangle. Uh, I don't remember what he said it was, but he's like, there's certain dimensions to, to that pyramid. And the pyramid that it represents is another one that most people don't know about that's completely destroyed. It was made of rose quartz. And it was it sits up higher than the pyramid of Giza, but you right. sit, you see those three pyramids that line up with Orion's belt, and you think that's all there is there, and that's like the the fantastic ones. But the greatest right. pyramid amongst them was the one made of rose quartz, sat on a hill. It was the exact same dimensions as the the dollar bill. We know that from the base. Yeah. And he said that the Freemasons, and again, he's a thirty second degree Scottish Rite Freemason. He said that that's because that's the Tower of Babel. That's our belief is that it's the Tower of Babel. And like we put it on her, like they're, they're saying they kind of worship Nimrod, which was the thing I've been saying for a long time without Forever. proof until he said it. And I was like, it's nice well, to get confirmation. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. So, uh, that's yeah. So anyway, Mithraism is, is another one. And then the Knights Templars, there's this idea that the Freemasons come quite literally out of the Knights Templar. So, uh, how familiar with you with the Knights Templar? Again, I'm giving very brief explanations of these things because they deserve future episodes, but I just right. need to get across enough that people kind of get the point. I have a very Hollywood idea of the Knights Templar. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So the Knights Templar were established in like the 11, I didn't even write this down, but they were established in the 1100s. There's like nine knights who went to Jerusalem during the, fir- during the Crusades mm-hmm. to help travelers, you know, protect travelers, uh, defend the city essentially like things like that. They, they order started growing. People were giving them land. People were giving them treasure. They were the first bankers, their first international bankers, basically the right checks. Like you would give them money when you're leaving, uh, you know, England to go to Jerusalem for like a, to, to see the sites, you know, do your pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. And they would write you a check and be like, when you get to Jerusalem, hand this to another Knights Templar. He'll give you cat. He'll give you gold. Um, that way you're traveling on the road with a check and you know, instead of cash, instead of getting robbed. So they're the first international bankers. They're all of this. And uh, on October 13th, 1307, uh, there was a mass arrest of French Templars. So this is why Friday the 13th has like this bad connotation, right? Right. And the knights were accused of idolatry, blasphemy, rituals, you know, blasphemous rituals, sexual deviance. Like literally they were accused of worshiping, worshiping Baphomet. And this is the first mention of Baphomet Ooh. in history. Um, okay. And the order was eventually extinguished in 1312, right? Okay. So Freemasons don't date back to 1312, but there is a Regi- there's this thing called the Regius poem. It's the oldest reference to Freemasons and it dates okay. to 1390, but it's believed to be a copy of older works. So okay. we know that the Freemasons were around at least in 1390, but again, probably before the thing about the Templars is that they weren't all killed. Mostly the French Templars were, um, there was like Portuguese Templars that were just like disbanded and they mm-hmm. went and did other stuff like the hospital hospitalers and right. whatever. Right. They just went to other secret societies essentially. Right. And again, I'm not getting to who the Knights Templar are a lot on this, but nobody really knows what happened to them. 
except that the Freemasons kind of really love them. Like the Freemasons have put them into their imagery. They have like this whole, um, uh, York, right? The top three degrees of the order of, of the York Knights is called the order of the Knights Templar. It includes right. the order of the red cross. The order of Malta is in the Maltese Knights is in the Maltese mm-hmm. Falcon. Uh, or which is, I know that's a movie, but it's talking about the Maltese, uh, Knights and the order of the temple. Um, the thing is that Freemasons, none of them will publicly say that they believe that they quite literally come from the Templars, but we're going to point out a lot. Like their whole thing is to not tell you stuff and then to lie about things that are very obvious. Like they'll lie to your face about the the handshakes because they have to, right? right? Even though everybody knows, right? Like they'll lie to your face about like the, the sacrificial Hiram Abiff rituals that they do and things like that. But because we've seen the videos, but they still like under order to lie. So I don't know, like maybe some, maybe some high level Freemasons actually can have documentation, can trace it back to the Templars or at least believe it's the Templars. They're just not saying it out loud. Um, but the one thing they will say often is to not confuse the symbol for the symbolized. And that's why I've said to wait on the whole, like I, I think, because I feel like this has actually been really enlightening to me to understand these secret societies and, and what I've learned a lot this week. Right is that like alchemy has been a thing that comes up a lot. A lot of Freemasons are alchemists and a lot of them will say like everybody, like the the textbook Wikipedia bullshit version. And we, we know that's bullshit is that alchemy was about turning lead to gold, right? And it was all it was. This is people want to turn lead to gold and what they'll say. And what, again, what a a few different 32 degree Scottish Rite Freemasons I heard this week say was it's literally just a symbol like, like the formulas even for like, maybe even for something like a homunculi or for like Mm -hmm. whatever gold tonics and, and led to gold things are symbols and they're symbols. They're maybe mathematical, but they're whole, they're holding secrets. And they said that doesn't mean that all alchemy is not physical or chemical or chemistry alchemy. Sure. But that a lot of alchemy is code. It's, hidden symbols and code and things like that. In fact, Albert Pike goes in this whole thing about like sulfur and all these other things in texts. And he like lays out a mathematical formula for like what it means. And he took, he literally takes an alchemical formula and like lays it out for like, this is actually the code of like the, the message they're trying to tell you. Even in the Disney movie, like the alchemist, which I didn't see, but I've seen the imagery. Like he's, he's a dark wizard. Like, He's right. not just some scientist turning lead into gold. Right, yeah. And that's the thing is like I feel like sometimes these symbols we're we're hung up on the physical aspects of them mm-hmm. and I think there's a lot more hidden weirdness in them. Mm-hmm. And I want to come back to that, but um I just want to talk about a little bit of symbolic history. Obviously, the Templars are a huge thing. Um York right we, we just covered all that, but also Solomon's temple is big. And we've talked about this before with Solomon's temple. It's like a central symbol of mm-hmm. Freemasonry. Uh, the first three grandmasters of Freemasonry are thought to be King Sol- Solomon, King Hiram for Hiram of Tyre okay. and Hiram Abiff, who is okay. the craftsman or architect who built the temples and their whole like ritual around. Right. I think it's the third level of Freemasonry is the sac- is the one that Jimmy Corsetti and other people were were had Talk released about. last week where it was like or a few months a ago, weeks ago yeah. a couple weeks ago a month ago something like that it, people knew about it but it was like one of the rare videos of it being of it happening where they do this ritual which is essentially like these people come to Hiram Abiff 
tell us the secrets of the Masons. He says no three times. They kill him, right? And like that's the 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 death rebirth ritual of becoming a master mason. Gotcha. And when I say master mason, I mean third degree, not thirty third degree. And I'll explain that in a okay. minute. Um, so Solomon's Temple is a big thing. Uh, it's their initiation rites. Uh, also, um, every Masonic lodge has two pillars that you have to walk between, and those are the pillars that are written about in the Bible, which are uh, Boaz and Yakin which are the, the pillars on the left and right-hand side of right. the Holy of Holies, right? And to be clear, they're not named in the Bible, but they are described in the Bible in the they, description of the temple, right? I thought they were named in the Bible. I can look it up if you want. Please do. I, I've, okay. I've heard the story of Yaakim and Boaz so many times that now I'm like, is it not in the Bible? It, it might not be. Um, but yeah, the reason I brought that up is because what what you'll find out when you re, when you research anything about Boaz and Yakin and the whole thing, and if you want to get a good description of this, go back and watch our nine eleven episode from season three, the first one of the first episodes of this season, where I talk about the ritual behind nine eleven and how it looks like and acts and functions like a, a Freemasonic ritual about the pillars of Boaz and Yakin and the tearing them down, and when you tear down the left and the right hand pillar, you get the central pillar. And the reason I bring this up again is because just to show you like where their religion truly is. Um, let me share this screen really quick. Uh, they don't hide it, right? Like you can go onto Freemasonic websites. You can read Freemasonic books. You can read where they are very open about their beliefs on Gnosticism, Kabbalah, all of these like anti-Christian religions, right? And in this, it talks about what you think is coming from the Bible, right? Is Joachim and Boaz, the, the Temple of Solomon's pillars, whatever. And then it gives you the explanation, the esoteric explanation. And it says, uh, in addition, the pillars may be seen representing the two of three pillars of the tree of life, the Jewish mystic symbol for the creation of the universe. The name of the three pillars of the tree of life were often seen as strength and wisdom with the third pillar being harmony placed between them. Thus, when a candidate passed between them, he's incessant. He is in essence becoming harmony and mm. enters a life spiritual dominates the physical. This is from the Grand Lodge of Rhode Island. If you continue reading, you'll see that the left-hand, right-hand path of witchcraft is in here. Um, I actually listened to a whole podcast today about high-level Freemasons talking about, like, should we take the left-hand path, the right-hand path, and how, you know, there's kind of, if you want to get really conspiratorial with it, there's kind of this whole idea that, like, the Freemasons are in the left and right-hand parties that, uh, this is a future episode that I'll, I'll hint at, but, like, this idea that the Illuminati quite literally ran the underground in France during the revolution and that the Jesuits had ordered them to like make the revolution happen the way that it happened mm -hmm. uh, is a whole conspiracy because this is where you get the left and the right politically. Right. And there's this whole idea that if you just push to the right for a while, people get mad and let you push to the left. But all the meanwhile, you're just going up the, the, the tree of life. You're going up the Kabbalah tree and getting to that like third middle thing that they, they really want. Right. right. So like, Donald Trump can come in and say, I want to do all these things. And then by the end of it, we still have the jab and Fauci and lockdowns and everything that you thought you would get with the other president. And then you just get it more with Biden. It's like they're agreeing on the thing, but they're pretending to not on like the important things that they want to push you towards. So I have the passage if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Please, please go ahead with that. Okay. The At the risk of reading too many boring <clears throat> verses, this is the temple is so intricately described in a couple different passages of the Bible, but this is first Kings seven starting in 15. Um, let's see. 
And King Solomon, oh, sorry, verse, starting in verse 13. And King Solomon sent and brought Hiram from Tyre. He was the son of a widow of the tribe of Naphtali, and his father was a man of Tyre, a worker in bronze. And he was full of wisdom and understanding and skill for making any work in bronze. He came to King Solomon and did all his work. So this is, this is the backstory of Hiram. And then he cast two pillars of bronze. Did, did you say they were both bronze? I might have. I mean, I don't remember. Because I, I wondered. Okay. I can check this again. He cast two pillars of bronze. 18 cubits was the height of one pillar and a line of 12 cubits measured its circumference. It was hollow and its thickness was four fingers. The second pillar was the same. He also made two capitals of cast bronze to set on t- on the tops of the pillars. The height of the one capital was five cubits and the height of the other capital was five cubits. A cubit is from the uh, t- fingertip to the elbow. Yeah. It's about 18 inches. Yeah. Roughly. There were lattices of checkerwork with wreaths of chain work for the capitals on the tops of the pillars, a lattice for the one capital and a lattice for the other capital. Likewise, he made pomegranates in two rows around the one lattice work to cover the capital that was on the top of the pillar. And he did the same with the other capital. All of this is interesting to me because I never understood like why God specifically gave all of this like very detailed. This right. is the decoration of it. Now the capitals that were on the tops of the pillars in the vestibule were of lily work, four cubits. The capitals were on the two pillars and also above the rounded projection, which was beside the lattice work. There were 200 <clears throat> pomegranates in two rows all around. And so with the other capital, he set up the pillars at the vestibule of the temple. He set up the pillar on the south and called its name Yaquin. And he set up the pillar on the north and called its name Boaz. And on the tops of the pillars was lily work. Thus the work of the pillars was finished. So you're right. It is right, yeah. right there. They, they decorate them exactly like it is in the Bible, right? Because the, they supposedly, and this is like, this is where I feel like it's a little interesting. The whole Nimrod thing is mm-hmm. they kind of go back to Solomon, which right. is interesting because Solomon had a bunch of wives who worshiped a lot of different gods, which seems to be exactly what the Freemasons are into. But as right. I point out before, I'm like, I think, I feel like it's a little bit dishonest and it's a little bit for the public to point back to a right. early, but biblical Christian understanding of like, even though we're mystics and even though we're probably more in line with Solomon's wives, it sounds this. nice and cool that we're talking about the temple, right? We can appease right. the Jews that way. We can appease the Muslims that way. We can appease the Christians that way by talking about the temple that everybody agrees that they like. Right. right. Um, but what they don't say, except in that case where they did <laughs> with CPAC this last year, is that really they, they were like the, the big, Masonic work that they worship is the building of the tower of Babel and this idea of like becoming your own God, right? Like, cause that is what Freemason ultimately mm. is, is like this idea of becoming your own God, but um, we'll get, we'll go into it. Um, I already, I already had this in my notes with all seeing eye on the tower of Babel. We kind of talked about that uh, tree of life. I think the important lineage that, that I was getting to with, with the belief system is mm-hmm. that, there's this idea of these Babylonian mystery religions, these mystery schools. And that's why when I bring up Mithraism or when I bring up uh, Kabbalah or I bring up uh, Gnosticism or Egyptian mythology, it's all the same. And in fact, I've heard some people theorize again, high level Freemasons because I've been listening to a lot of them these last few weeks, theorize what I expected that they would come to the, the conclusion that they would come to, which is that, this is all Atlantis. This is all Atlantean religion, right? Like they're like, they have talked about, and we actually, again, this was CPAC. This was stuff we learned from the people mm-hmm. who are really into the, the Egyptian pyramid stuff. So actually directly from Graham Hancock, I believe right. is that 
the Greeks are credited with stuff that they got from the Egyptians and the Egyptians said they got it from Atlantis. And these people believe uh, that again, the ancient mystery religion they're really chasing after might be called the Babylonian religions, but it's really Atlantean religion. Like that is what they're trying to like. Those are the fallen angels that they're trying to, to figure out how to worship. And their belief is my belief. Again, there's two religions, right? There's all of the different interpretations from the Babylonian mystery schools that have spun out into things like Hinduism, uh, Kabbalah, whatever, you name it, you name it, you name it. Like they're all the same ideas. Um, And the one they don't seem to like, the one that they all seem to agree not to like, even though they try to make it fit in when it works, when they can turn it to a Gnostic version of Christianity is just pure Christianity, Christianity, right? It's just Christianity. And unless they can make it Gnostic, which again, just to boil down Gnosticism to its most fundamental important thing for this conversation is Gnosticism eventually comes around to the idea that God that created this earth is bad, that Jesus is just a hologram mm-hmm. and that Satan, the, the the serpent in the garden is the good guy and that he actually was trying to bring you knowledge. So I know that sounds like an oversimplified version of Gnosticism, but it's not. It just is where it leads you to. And I think the important thing to understand, especially about Freemasonry, because like this research is driving me nuts, is it's intentionally confusing to keep you searching and seeking and seeking and seeking. So that way, when you get the answer like that, the answer that you've been spending your whole life looking for, you it's a sunken cost fallacy, right? Like you've spent all of this time like trying to find the mysteries of life and the mysteries of life are kind of disappointing because they're all satanic propaganda is what it is, right? Like that's what it is. And then people have to buy it because it's the sunk cost fallacy. Um, but yeah, I think it goes Babylonian religions. It comes down into Kabbalah. Kabbalah becomes Nazism. The, 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 most scholars will tell you that there's like definite links there. Mm-hmm. Then it comes, but then it, in, in America today, it becomes theosophy, right? Like theosophy is the idea again, that all of the ancient religions minus Christianity, unless you take the cool Gnostic parts you like, are the same religion and that you can mix them all together and find truth in all of them. And that's why, like Albert Pike's writing, which we're going to get into in a minute, HPV's writing, Elena Blavatsky's writing is incredibly dense and confusing and not fun. It's not fun to read. Albert Pike's not fun to read. Um, and then, And then here's the interesting thing. It doesn't just stay at theosophy. Like, they're still theosophists, right? Mm-hmm. But it becomes New Age, and New Age specifically was created by uh, so Theosophy was created by Helena Blavatsky, a Freemason. Right. New Age, the concept, was created by Alice Bailey, whose husband was a Freemason who was speaking directly with demons. They had uh, a publishing company called Lucius Publishing Company, or Luce, I think it was originally called Lucifer Publishing Company, and uh, they I think are the official. They have some official ties to the UN. So okay. there's an Alice Bailey episode in the future black cube worship, that whole thing. But new age comes from her. My point is it's all the same idea of like all these ancient mystery schools are all just trying to find every bit of text from every religion out there to, to kind of mash into this big grand understanding of, of the universe and how to, again, make yourself live forever, how to become a God, whatever. It really is that simple and boring. So let's talk about like the, the, the fundamentals of what Freemasonry is. Mm. The, the, there's this thing called Blue Lodge Masonry I brought up earlier. Are you, do you know what that is? You probably is probably hi- do. Higher Is that the higher or lower level? It's the lower level. Lower level, okay. This is so funny to me because you know how I said that like Freemasons will lie when they don't need to in like weird ways? Yeah. Like, so the Blue Lodge Masonry is the first three degrees of Masonry. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. It's your entered apprentice. It's the fellow craft. It's the master Mason. And 
they're interesting ish, but like there's this book, I can't remember what it's called, like why America or how America was built by, uh, maybe you could find it for me. America was built by Freemasons and why it's good actually or something. It's like some Who's British it? guy. Oh. It's called, I don't remember what it's called. I've been listening to this guy on a lot of podcasts, but it's something like how the Freemasons built America. If you've searched oh, that, okay. it'll probably come up. And it's so interesting because he's been doing these lectures and giving these talks and he'll spend you know, the book, I looked it up on Audible. It's like a 15-hour long re- listen. And he'll say things like there's only three levels of Freemasonry. There are no other levels. Here's here's actually a thing from NPR talking about Dan Brown's book. Um, and this is just hilarious to me. So it's it, it'll say right here, there used to be another branch of Freemasonry in the United States, uh, another branch called the Scottish or another branch of Scottish Rite Masonry in competition with us has been dead for over a century, right? And they're talking about Dan Brown's a lost symbol and this the initiation, right, where they drink from a skull. And at first, I can't tell if he's saying that Scottish Rite Masonry doesn't exist or that there was a different version of Scottish Rite Masonry, but it's not the same one. And both are just verifiably not true. Mm. Like, here's Scottish Rite Freemasonry's website. Like, you can read their books. You can listen to their podcasts. Because they have them, right? They, here's, there's two of them right here. Tyler's Place podcast, Scottish Rite Journal podcast. They have a Bible in the Year type podcast for Albert Pike's Morals and Dogma, where these two level 32 Freemasons get together once a week and talk about their reading of that week of, you know, this 46-hour-long epic, this tome that uh, wow. guides the Scottish Free Rite Masonry. It, it used to be... You could, I think you could only read it if you were a Scottish free right Mason and it was given to you like pieces at a time as right. you went up the 33 degree levels. Um, but my point is like people like that guy who wrote that book, he will say, did you find out who it was by the way? Okay. Is it, is it the book, the craft, how the free Masons yes. made the modern world? Okay. It's, it's John Dickey, John Dickey. Yes. Yeah. He will say, I'm not a Mason and I can't be because I'm an atheist. Okay. Um, and he, so this is what I find weird. Him and Dan Brown are like Freemason apologists, right? Right. They're not, they're, they're not Masons, but they write all these things where it's like, you're not only lying, like in a way that I can disprove, but you're lying in a way that makes no sense. Right. Like, because there's no Masons out there. I mean, maybe there are Blue Lodge Masons who think like, I got to the third degree and I don't want to do more. And it's just a drinking club that don't realize that like, that is just the base level. Like Blue Lodge Masonry is like a joke, right? It's just like, you're barely initiated in and now you can continue your education through the York Rites, through the Scottish Rites. It is. That's how some people will will call it. They'll call it the Cub Scouts. Other people say it's like becoming an Eagle Scout and then you have merit badges. I don't think that analogy works because I think like third level Masonry is like pretty much nothing. It's called, again, Master Mason, but it's just like the... You're, it's just the entry level thing, and you can go and get and pay your dues and show up to a drinking club twice a month, and that can be your masonry, right? But it's just not like what people who are actually interested in this stuff are doing, like for more than the business context, right? Um, and in fact, I got a quote here from Albert Pike that that talks about the blue degree masonry. So not, you don't just have to hear it from me; you can hear it from an actual thirty three de- degree master Freemason. Uh, he says. The blue degrees are but the outer court or port coat or portico of the temple. Mm-hmm. Part of the symbols are displayed there to the initiate, but he is intentionally misled by false interpretations. It is not intended that he shall understand them, but is intended that he shall imagine he understands them. 
Their true explanation is reserved for the adepts, the princes of masonry, the whole body of the royal and uh, sacerdotal art was hidden so carefully, centuries since, in the high degrees, that it is even yet impossible to solve many of the enigmas which they contain. It is well enough for the mass of those called masons to imagine that all is contained in the blue degrees and whose attempt to unde- uh, un- undeceive them who- and whose attempts un- to undeceive them uh, will labor in vain and without any true reward violate his obligation as an adept. Masonry is the veritable sphinx buried to the head in the sands heaped round it by the ages. That's page 819 wow. from Morals and Dogma. So when I've been saying for a long time that I think most Masons are literally just there to run cover for the, for the adepts, right? The right. people who are actually doing anything. That's what the highest level Mason of his time literally said. Like literally right. said the Blue Lodge Masons are a joke. Like again, they're the outer port- portico. They're just there for the public to see and right. those guys we lie to them intentionally we feed them shit and keep them in the dark like mushrooms because <clears throat> if they spill a secret about what these symbols mean it'll be the wrong secret it's classic misdirection it's 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 so smart that it's like not that difficult to have figured out like that's how any halfway intelligent person would do right. when you have a group of six million people some of them are going to blab and you're going to want to make sure that the people you're actually telling any real secrets to are trustworthy, right? It's not just like you came, you showed up to a drinking club and you did it in a ritual. Right. Like we're going to give you what all of the secrets of the universe, like because you showed up twice a month in some podunk town in the middle of nowhere with, with your buddies. Like that's not how this works. Mm-hmm. So I think that most Masons really aren't anything. I think that they serve a satanic agenda because they're, running cover for it, feeding money into it. I think the the rituals themselves are actually inviting in spirits. And I actually, let me just play a ritual for you because I've listened to a lot of, um, I've listened to a lot of deliverance pastors, ministers and stuff like that this week too, have talked about Freemasonry mm-hmm. and just the stories of people with like demonic attachments from like wow. these rituals. But when you watch the ritual, I think it'll make sense. Like you are giving permissions. These rituals are supposed, they're told to us like they're a joke, that they're just a play. But when you see what they're doing, it does seem like they're just giving like permissions to, to, to demons. So yeah, here, let me, let me play. I'll just play a little bit of this um, first ritual right here. Entered apprentice stands behind the door waiting to be summoned. He's blindfolded and there's a noose around his neck with a length of rope trailing behind. His chest is exposed at the left breast and his left pant leg rolled up. The doorkeeper raps three times and announces that the candidate desires to enter and obtain the privileges of Freemasonry. With that, the candidate is escorted into the lodge by the inner guard. The guard holds the tip of a dagger against the candidate's bare chest and asks if he feels anything. Next, the candidate kneels before the head of the lodge the worshipful master, and they engage in a ritual question and answer. He's led by the rope or cable toe to an altar with a Bible or other holy book. Standing with his heels together to form a square, the candidate now kneels. He places his right hand on the Bible and with his left presses the point of a compass against his chest. He swears to forever conceal and never reveal any of the secret arts parts 
or points of the hidden mysteries of Freemasonry. If he breaks that promise, he binds himself to having my throat cut across, my tongue torn out, my body buried in the sands of the sea at low tide. Yeah. So they're making a lot of promises and doing a lot of weird rituals. I know some people look at it as as just hazing. I... I, I don't think so. I think this is uh, a pretty lot messed of up stuff. I think there's a lot there. of permission given. Yeah, for sure. Um, so again, that's that's just lower level Blue Lodge masonry stuff, right? Like it's not even talking about all of the higher degrees of the Scottish Rite. And I want to talk about the Scottish Rite really quick because we kind of mentioned that a bit here too. So um, the ancient and accepted Scottish Rite of Freemasonry is the full is a full fledged rite within the broader context of Freemasonry. It is the most widely practiced right in the world, and it spans from the Blue Lodge level, uh, as is sometimes designed as a concordant body due to the relationship with the degrees of symbolic craft Freemasonry. So again, all of that to say, if you read into it, if you click through the links and look at the words that is in that sentence, what it's saying is it's not just official, it is, or it's, it's official, it's not just recognized, and which is important in Freemasonry because there's a lot of like little groups, and again, we talked about those in the beginning, the, the continental Freemasonry, mm-hmm. the we don't want the public to think that we're sexist and racist, sure. so we'll let Shaq go be part of this black Freemasonry club, the Prince somethings or whatever, I don't remember what they're called, because nobody cares, right? Like, they're just like, go do your thing, we're going to continue to do our thing, you women can have your thing, uh, you you atheists can have your version of Freemasonry, I guess, right. whatever. Um, but it's not important, right? Like, they're not, right. like the regular Freemasons, the Scottish Rite, like these are the these are the adept schools where it's really at the York right things like that. There are right. people who are both all the way up on the Scottish right and all the way up on the the York rights, right. part of the Knights Templar and all all these different degrees. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's again it's not just we kind of recognize that you're loosely related. It's like no, this is officially where you want to go next. Is you want to go into a, one of these if you really want to learn and become an adept, right? So right. despite what. <clears throat> apologists for Freemasons, atheistic apologists for Freemasons who will tell you there's only three, like all of the Masons are saying like, no, there's not like there's, there's 33 in this, right. And there's like 19 in this, right. And we, we can do as many as we want, but like, this is where the adepts go. This is like where you actually go if you care. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, let's see in the Scottish, right? The central authority consists of a grand lodge that oversees the first through the third degrees. And then the Supreme council, which oversees the fourth through the 33rd degrees. And I don't like the 33rd degree has been given to some people. There's speculation on why or how or what it really means. Cause sure. supposedly the highest you can get like naturally is 32. And then some people have speculated, like if you donate enough to the lodge, you can, you know, as a 32, you can get a 33. Sure. I think it's probably more than that. I think that's the like cynical take on it. I think there's something else, but like certain people right. the, the the next two people we're going to talk about are, are 33rd degree it's not not very common so again like that's why i keep saying all these podcasts and all these people i'm listening to are 32 because 33 is really rare right <clears throat> um in the 1860s the rites and rituals were adjusted uh rewritten expanded kind of changed however you want to say it by uh one of the most loved <laughs> and hated men in american history who also uh gave the freemasons a book explaining all 33 degrees and their symbols and the religion behind them. And that's the guy we brought up before. That's Albert Pike, right? So he first joined the fraternal independent order of the odd fellows in 1840, which is just kind of like, that's one of the recognized, like we, we see you, 
but you're not you know, you're your own thing. Like you're not really a Freemason, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so this weird weirdo club, and he goes, "That's not enough. I'm going to join the Freemasons, and I'm going to become like a big deal." So he joins a Masonic lodge. He becomes extremely active. So much so that 19 years later in 1859, he's elected the sovereign grand commander of the Scottish Rite's southern jurisdiction, and he remains the sovereign grand commander for the rest of his life. And in 1871, he published a book called Morals and Dogma of the Ancient and Accepted Scottish Rite of Freemasonry. By the way, Scottish Freemasonry, like born in America, it's not, it doesn't actually have like a link to Scotland. Anything to do with Scotland. Yeah. I, as far as I could tell. But. <clears throat> We'll get back to that book in a second because something happened between 59 and 71. Uh, and that is that Albert Pike fought in the Mexican American war. And then in the civil war for the Confederates as a brigadier general. So high, high ranking civil war general got in it. the Confederacy, right? Got it, got it. Uh, despite not being from the South, he's like from Boston. <laughs> he's from Boston <laughs> He moves, I think he moved to like Arkansas and then he becomes, yeah, he really committed to the cause and this, there's a lot of quotes. I didn't even bring them up, but like, you know, this land is made for the white man, like all, all the most racist, like, you know, like Confederate things. Like my point is I read a few Freemason websites that are like, he was just really believed in states rights. And I'm like, no, he didn't. Like you can read the, because the, the whole reason I bring this up is because in, in the year of our Lord, 2024, you would think that you have a, a, a historical figure like this. We just throw them out, right? Like right. that's just how it goes. It's like, oh, that person, he was white. He was racist. He was in the past. Like we have to disavow, throw them out. But the Freemasons really don't want to, they're, you know, and I get it. Right. Like there, it's like my, the whole reason I bring this up is people will try to tell you Albert who like the Freemasons don't really care about Albert Pike. They just right. talk about him, podcast about him, read his book, treat it like it's a Bible, like give him statues. In fact, <laughs> let's look at this statue. He got a statue after his death. Um, of course he did. But he, yeah. So he, anyway, after the war, uh, he fl- 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 uh, fl- flees to Canada and he's pardoned by Andrew Johnson. He returns to Washington in 1868 and he devotes the rest of his life to Freemasonry. There's a whole conspiracy episode for the future about how this guy probably had a big hand in assassinating Abraham Lincoln oh, from of Canada. Did. Of course did. And I'm okay. I'm very convinced that it's true, but I just not, I don't have time to go into it right now. So um <laughs> I think he did. So here's here's that picture. Here's Albert Pike. Uh why is, this is from the Washington Post in 2016. Why is a Confederate general Albert Pike memorialized at Judiciary Square? And you can see where this eventually went to, right? right. <laughs> DC protesters topple and burn the statue of Confederate General Albert Pike. They like wrote Good. BLM all over it and stuff like that. I have, okay. The right. I want to, that's why I brought it up. The conservative case for not tearing down idols. Yes. Like, I've, I said it like one time on Twitter and I got screamed at and I was like, this isn't worth <clears> it. <throat> this is, this is not an argument that's worth it. And I can't articulate it in like in a nuanced way on Twitter, but like, but, I don't care if we're tearing down statues. Cause I think that's probably good. This is where, this is where the whole concept I brought up earlier of the Jesuits, like possibly creating this, you know, false dichotomies in politics, mm-hmm. where you have just two sides and they could both do the same thing and you'll defend one or the other. And like, right. it'll move to the same goal. Right. Like this is the best example of it, right? Is you have leftist. K- K- okay. By the way, this guy started the Ku Klux Klan. Like I didn't even get into his whole racist history. Like okay. literally probably killed Lincoln, 
fought for the Confederacy, started the Ku Klux Klan, like absolute racist Democrat, whatever you want to call him. And the Republicans would be the ones in this case to be like, well, we can't tear down American history. Why do we tear down idols to evil, satanic, right. racist Ku Klux Klan members? Like we couldn't do that because of America. Like it does. The argument makes no sense, especially coming from the right to be like, you know, right. We have to idolize a person that stands for everything awful, you know, from a defeated country, by the right. way. Like the Confederacy is a defeated right. foe of America. Like if it's the only honest, I know people from the South would be pissed at me saying that, but it's just the honest truth. Like there's a reason why all the military bases are in the South. It's because they're occupied land, right? Like that's the truth. Of it. That's why it's in Georgia and Mississippi. The, the argument that we're going to lose our history if we tear down statues like the statue isn't saying anything about his very little about history. There's very little information on the statue about it. Normally you tear down statues of armies you've defeated though. That's my point, Generally right? Generally speaking. Like the Confederacy yeah. would be a defeated army in the context of American history, technically mm-hmm. speaking, whether you want to remember, you know, the South and, and states rights and stuff like that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, normally you would defeat an enemy and tear down their statues instead of like memorialize them. The civil, I'm going to, let's just make people angry. The civil war was about states rights the same way abortions about women's rights. (laughs) Facts. Yeah. But Nikki Haley can't tell the difference. So Uh, (laughs) she just wants to get in drone strike someone so bad. She's just been waiting for that power. (laughs) All she ever wanted. She was a little girl. So anyway, let's let's talk about his book. So Morals and Dogma is divided into 32 parts and each deals with one of the degrees of Scottish Rite. It excludes the 33rd, obviously, because nobody really knows. Uh, it claims to be the collected wisdom of several philosophical and mystical schools and is based upon the idea that there is a universal form of religion that transcends confessional conventional boundaries. So it's everything I said it is, right? It's, it's theosophy. It's new age. It's combining all the religions to get this kind of wishy-washy, you know, the universe kind of thing. Um, But here's some quotes from it, right? So we've got masonry, like all the religions, all the mysteries, hermeticism and alchemy conceals its secrets from the, from all except the adepts and sages or the elect and uses false explanations and misinterpretations of its symbols to mislead those who deserve only to be misled to conceal the truth, which it calls light from them and draw them away from it. It's from pages 104 and 105. Um, and I just want to talk about this like idea of the symbols, right? It's like we're, throughout this whole book and the things that get brought up a lot is how often he mentions Satan, how often he mentions Lucifer and how often he mentions Baphomet in a, in a very religious context, right? And we're going to get into some of those quotes, but like what he's saying in this quote specifically is are like the blue lodge masons again, know nothing. Like I get emails from blue lodge, like third degree masons and people have third degree Mason family members. And the guy who wrote your books, the guy who like this literally created the rights from 44 to 33 has a statue in Washington or did, uh, you know, like most influential Mason in American history is saying you guys not only don't know things we've intentionally lied to you. And one of the things that gets brought up again, going back to this Knights Templar idea, is the statue or the symbol of Baphomet in Freemasonry. And it comes up quite a bit, and there's like a defense of it. Uh, and I want to just talk about uh, this is Albert Pike, by the way. 
Uh, the Baphomet? So, this is, yeah, this, <laughs> this no, this old. one's Albert Pike. Okay. This is Albert Pike on drugs. Uh, <laughs> this is Albert Pike when he takes his, his face off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, this okay. is the, the Baphomet statue, right? And there are different interpretations that you'll hear from Freemasonic websites and, mm-hmm. and concepts and ideas. And one of those is the Atbash translation. You might remember this because okay. this was a, a specific point in um, the Da Vinci Code book. Remember the Atbash translation, Sophia, all that stuff? Yes, yes. If you take the word Sophia, which is the the word for wisdom, for wisdom in yeah. Greek, and you use the it's an old Jewish translation. They used it to like translate the Dead Sea Scrolls. I don't have mm-hmm. to get into the whole thing for people to understand it, but like you take the Atbash translation, you put in Sophia, and you get the word Baphomet, right? The word for wisdom becomes Baphomet. So mm. some people will point at Baphomet and they'll make all these these ideas, right? It's it's dual it's duality, it's wisdom, the, the 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 Templars and therefore the Freemasons and the higher degrees of the York Rite and the Scottish Rite that are worshiping Baphomet are worshiping wisdom, right? It's it's just a metaphor, it's just a symbol. But like, is it though? Like that's like because again, this is this is the public interpretation of it. And I don't think that's true. Like I'm not buying the idea that Baphomet is in and of itself, just a symbol for something nice and wonderful. And it's just this and that and the other. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause Sophia, by the way, wisdom is quite literally a God of, of Gnosticism, right? right. It's, it's yeah, it's Which, part of the whole Barbalos. It's the, it's the mother that birthed the evil God Yahweh in, in Gnosticism. Um, or yell to Boeth. Like, it like it go ahead. Goes back to the error of Solomon, right? Yeah. That in some ways it's kind of true what they say, or it could be true what they say, that, that they are following the religion of Solomon, at least the one that Solomon was pursuing, at least for part Which of is all life. religions, right? And I think that's right. exactly why they are worshiping Solomon or worshiping Solomon's temple or whatever. Like they, they perceive the temple as not a temple to Yahweh. They perceive it as a temple right. to, to the various numerous hundreds or thousands of gods that Solomon's wives were worshiping. Is that what you're saying? Like all the high places and all the... Yes, yes. The the, the error that Solomon was living in. But the problem is I think that he built the temple in in a good heart. I don't think God would have let him otherwise because God didn't let David because he said David was a man of blood. You're not going to build my temple. It's going to be your son Solomon. But I... so well, Solomon started off so promising. Yeah. <laughs> his yeah. error comes later, for sure. Um, another symbol that you'll have seen is the the Masonic compass with the G in it, right? Mm-hmm. This one gets mm-hmm. talked about a lot. This one has the very basic uh, Freemason accepted um, mm-hmm. idea behind it, and then a lot of people are questioning. So that's, this is another one I want to talk about. So the, gotcha. according to Freemasonic websites, it says, quote, the square is to square our actions and the compass is to circumscribe and keep us within bounds within all mankind. It's just some mm. BS nonsense, right? And again, it's like hiding within the stonemasons, using stonemason tools. They wear the aprons. They have the the um, mortar boards. They have the trowels and all that stuff. Um, and this is just a, a normal looking compass and, and mm-hmm. square, right? And it has mm-hmm. the G. And then the G will be explained by most people as it probably means probably means God or the grand architect. Right. Going back to like our, our Dan Brown obsession, <laughs> what two symbols do you see? Like take away the G separate mm-hmm. the two symbols. What two symbols do you see in this? Well, the pyramid. 
No, well, no, but close. Wait. What, what's the bottom symbol by itself? So the, the compass or the square, sorry, the, the square, square, not the compass, is the chalice. Oh. It's it's a symbol for the vagina. And the right. top symbol is the chevron, which is the symbol for the penis, right? Like this okay. is and this it, is the, the G some people have speculated means generative magic is in genitalia as in like this is a sex magic symbol, right? Okay. There's a lot of other ideas. I'm not even saying I subscribe to that one, but when I see that it very clearly is and and again, this goes back to Templars. This goes back to like right. a, a lot of other symbols. They are definitely meaning a chevron and a chalice, meaning male and female. It's right. Baphomet all over again, right? It's the duality, right. right? It's man and woman. It's the right hand, left hand path. It's all of that, right? So my point is like the idea, even with this one, even if it's just a basic thing, even if all it's saying is duality, if that's all this symbol is about is duality and then another type of God. I actually forgot to pull this on my notes, but I think the Mithraism cult, their God, they, oh no, it was um, sun worshipers. I can't remember which ones. It might've mm. been Mithraism. Sun worshipers uh, called their their God, shorthand was just G, right? Okay. So this could very well be symbolism of of that particular sun God that I forgot the name of. And then uh, the fact this is male, female duality, right? So like my point is the, the basic idea for, that they're giving the Freemasons is so base level that even someone who's me and a not an adept is looking at the symbol going, well, yeah, but there's actually other symbols right. that are probably more likely. And it actually gives you at this point a, a God, a form of some God, probably not the God right. uh, in the middle of the male, female um, duality, right? right. It's, it's Baphomet in a compass and square. So like this right. is this in all honesty, this symbol is pretty much Baphomet in a mm -hmm. way that you can put on a, a sign in front of a school or in mm -hmm. going into a town. So that's just a little bit of like how they hide symbols. I, I'm not an expert on this stuff. I didn't even bring up other ones, but I just want to point out like even the guy who, who said he like created these rights is saying like, you got to look at these symbols deeper because what we've right. told our people is bullshit. Uh, not another quote here <clears throat> from the book says the true name of Satan, the Kabbalists say, is that of Yahweh reversed for Satan is not a black God, but the negation of God. The devil is the personification of atheism or idolatry for the uh, initiates. This is not a person, but a force created for good, but for, but which may serve for evil in the instrument of liberty, liberty or free will. They represent this force, which presides over the physical generation under the mythological and honored for, uh, from the God pan. Thence ah. came the he goat of Shabbat, brother of the ancient serpent, the light bearer or, or phosphor of which the poets have made the false Lucifer of the legend. So again, I think Seder in chat said his grandfather or somebody like left him a copy of this book and it's unreadable. It is very yeah. dense. It's very yeah. not fun to read. So I'm going to try to break down what he's saying there in a lot of words. And again, that's one quote. You got to kind of read the greater context. And I did and it's boring. But what he's saying essentially <laughs> is that he's making the distinction throughout the book in multiple places between Satan and Lucifer. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is important. He also makes it with many allusions to Baphomet. Um, and he, he even compares the idea of Satan and Lucifer to the Gnostic dualistic Moses tiles. You got the black and white tiles that you see at every Freemason lodge. Right. It's always the same idea. And I've described what I think the importance is going back to where their roots are. Kabbalah, 
Kabbalah Gnosticism is that God and Satan are equals, right? And that they're equally important. And he's literally saying that right here. He's saying Satan was created for good in the fact that he gives you liberty, but you could use that liberty for ill, right? right. So he's literally making the the case. I mean, he's he's basically making the um, John... Uh, Paradise Lost, like if you take it at like Satan's the hero of that, as some people have, right. it's kind of that case, right? It's like this anti-hero. But what he's really saying is what I wanted to get to is like there's this theme throughout the book. Again, difference between Satan and Lucifer throughout the book. Satan, as he describes it here, is absence. And if you look at where the Satanists are at today, officially Satanists believe you know, Lucius Green, Satanism, Church of Satan, believe in nothing. They believe that Satanism is absence. They believe the line from Albert Pike over a hundred years ago. Right. When you look at Lucius Green, we'll have to do a whole episode on this. Lucius, or, yeah, it's, it's, it's Lucian. It's a fake, it has to be a fake name. Lucian Greaves, definitely a fake name. Like he's the guy who took over Anton LaVey's satanic church, essentially, or the concept of it, which was actually satanic, worshiping Satan, openly what it was. And he said, no, actually, Satanism is the worship of nothing. It's the belief in nothing. It's atheism rebranded. He's creating this dichotomy that Albert Pike created, right? So Albert Pike created this idea. And again, this comes from the, 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 the Freemasonic idea of, Ordo ad, uh, ad chaos, order out of chaos, right? There's this whole idea of like, you create two different things. Again, the pillar of Joachim and Boaz, you break them down, you have the middle thing. And I think that's what they're doing with this concept of Satan is you got Satan is the absence, but Lucifer is the light bringer, right? Lucifer is a belief system. This is a quote of what Luciferianism is. A belief system that venerates the essential characteristics that are fixed to Lucifer, the name of the various mythological and religious figures associated with the planet Venus, Again, planet Venus, like as in the Eastern star, mm-hmm. as in the, the women's version of masonry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the tradition mm-hmm. usually reveres Lucifer not as the devil, but as a destroyer, a guardian, a liberator, a light bringer, or a guiding spirit to the darkness, or even the one true God. Wow. So, again, the reason, I, the reason I'm doing this, because I'm sure people are listening going, I know I heard an Albert Pike quote where he said, we are absolutely Satanists. We worship Baphomet. We drink children's blood. Um, that isn't true. Mm-hmm. He says that they're Luciferian Satanists throughout the book in a much deeper and harder to understand way. So I'm trying to make the case here without going to this lie, which is the Leo Taxel right. lie. So for people who don't know, I'm just going to quickly go over that. There's a guy named Leo Taxel. Uh, I, I think it was Taxel in, in France. Uh, in the 1800s, he wrote all these books about how Albert Pike was a Satanist and that they were worshiping Baphomet. And there was this group called the Palladians and the Palladians were like uh, summoning alligator demons that have played <laughs> music. Right. Like, no, I'm not making like it. He, he wrote it to be wild. so satirical and so wild that no one would believe it. He did this for 12 years. The, the Catholic church like gave him honorifics and then he went before the group and said, I've been lying for 12 years. Like I went to a Freemason meeting once they kicked me out for being a troublemaker and yeah, Albert Pike, like I've read his book, but like, I don't know anything like I'm making this all up. So the point is a lot of people will say Albert Pike therefore is not satanic because the, the very specific quotes that say the very specific, I'm a Satanist who like drinks children's blood stuff right. came from a fake thing. Sure. So I'm not, you know, some people are like, why didn't, why didn't you just give the, the quote that tells us he's a Satanist? Because uh, it's not real. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. But I think that if you, you delve into this stuff, you'll see that this is, this is him making the case, again, for Luciferianism 
as an opposition to Satanism, which is like a false dichotomy, right? It's saying Satan or Lucifer, worship nothing or worship the light bringer instead of giving you a real dichotomy. And that's where I have to ask this question about Lucifer because we get this all the time, like, right? Like don't call them Luciferian is what we get told all the time. Don't call them Luciferian because Lucifer means Jesus. I want to talk about this. It does. Yeah. Right. That's yes. And I want to talk about this. So like, let's just go to like got questions for a minute. Let's look at some Bible verses because I need to clear this up a little bit Um, because I think people are kind of misunderstanding how this, how this whole concept works. So there's a character named Lucifer that appears in Isaiah 14. Uh, the set, this is from got questions. It's a Bible answer website. So the setting is a taunt against the King of Babylon. The wicked King who, who oppressed other nations is brought to ruin. God has broken the king of Babylon's scepter and laid him low. Mm. The defeated king of Babylon is pictured as entering the place of the dead where other departed kings await him with glee. And it says, quote, you have become weak as we are. You've become like us. All your pomp has brought you down to the grave along with your noise of your harps, maggots, and spread out beneath you and worms cover you. The prophecy against the king of Babylon continues with this interesting passage, quote, how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning how you are cut down to the ground, how you are weak in the nations, how you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the star of God. I will also sit in the Mount of congregation on the farthest side of the North. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. You should be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. And it goes on to say that in the King James version, they use Lucifer in other versions. They use morning star, day star or shining one, Mm. uh, or I think Eastern star. Um, Torment is a so is the term meant as a proper name or simply a metaphor for the king's greatness, and that's where this whole debate comes in. Like, right. is Lucifer saying he's like a fallen angel? He's like Satan, a fa- the fallen right. angel, or another fallen angel? Is that the Lucifer reference, or is it saying he was great and oh, Lucifer, how you've fallen? And then people will take this uh, from the angel Gabriel in Revelation that says Jesus is also the bright morning star. And they'll say Lucifer actually is talking about Jesus. There's no way that in Isaiah that it is saying, Jesus, you Jesus have fallen, was, yeah. uh, you know, woe you who heads down to Sheol. My point is this whole debate is retarded. And I'll tell you why. Because you, does, it really doesn't matter. Like you want to debate semantics here. Right. When they say Luciferian, they tell you what they mean. They're not speaking about Jesus. And in fact, yes. I think that they love this debate. I think Albert Pike would love that, that, that this is what people are saying. But when he's saying he's a Luciferian, mm. then people are going, well, well, Maybe I mean, the morning star, the bright star, we could be, could be talking about Jesus. He's very clearly not, guys. Right. So when I call someone Luciferian, I'm doing it very intentionally. I believe they are worshiping Lucifer in the way that they say they're worshiping Lucifer, which is the right. fallen angel, whichever fallen angel that is, doesn't have to be Satan, the devil, Whatever. My point is, Mm -hmm. I think that this is fallen angel worship. I think that they're very clear about this. And I think when we muddy the waters, we make ourselves look silly because Albert Pike is not using coded language to say that he's worshiping Jesus. Right. Um, So Luciferian does mean satanic fallen angel, whatever. It doesn't even have to be the devil, Satan, whatever. It's just falling star imagery. And it's the same as in Ezekiel. It's the same as in Daniel where there's like, these angels over these nations that are represented as fallen. I, I honestly think from reading the passage, Lucifer is a different fallen angel. It's another fallen angel. There's a lot of them. Right. Um, but I think they're worshiping him. And that could be the same as Baphomet. It could be whatever. My point is, uh, 
I just want to have that debate of like he's setting up this false dichotomy between who's the light and who's the dark and in his right. belief in the Freemasonic belief at the highest levels the black and white Moses tiles the Gnostic duality is the the choice between nothingness or worshiping a fallen angel. It is not mm. Christian in any way. It's very explicitly not Christian throughout the book. I don't recommend you read morals and dogma. It's stupidly long and boring and awful, and it just will fill your head with a lot of uh, nonsense. But yeah. let's move on to another Freemason. There's a guy named Manly P. Hall, and he lived from 1901 to 1990. He was a Canadian author, lecturer, astrologer, mystic, and Freemason. And in 1934, he founded the Philosophical Research Society in Los Angeles. So this guy is into every one of the weird um, spiritualist movement things that, that you could imagine, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and over a course um, of 70 years, he gave thousands of lectures, published over 150 volumes. Uh, he's best known for this one called The Secret Teaching of All Ages. And this is a little bit of a long quote, but this is, this is important to understand. Like it's another, again, this is second 33 degree Freemason Mm -hmm. telling you how Freemasonry works. Freemasonry is a fraternity within a fraternity, an outer organization concealing an inner brotherhood of the elect before it is possible to intelligently discuss the origin of the craft. It is necessary therefore to establish the existence of these two separate yet interdependent orders the one visible, the other invisible. The visible society is splendid camaraderie of the free and accepted men enjoyed, uh, enjoined to devote themselves to ethical, educational, fraternal, patriotic, and humanitarian concerns. Mm. Again, this is the Freemasonry that your your uncles, that your grandfathers, that the people you love probably were involved in. Right. I still don't, I, I'm not making an excuse for it. I think they were deceived. Right? right. I very clearly think they were deceived. I, when people say, do you think that the Freemasons were actually building hospitals to deceive people? Yes. I quite literally do believe this <laughs> because they say that's what they're doing. They say, yeah, right. we're going to get these guys like go to charity and stuff. So that way right. everybody will think this is what Freemasonry is. And that doesn't mean that like a good man wasn't deceived into Freemasonry and out of the goodness of his good heart builds a hospital. I a hundred percent agree. I think these people can be very good. I, I think they're deceived right. and that's not to say that their intentions are bad. They're bad people. Um, I just found out this week that my great grandfather was a Freemason. I, I didn't know I was related to a single one until like two days ago. Nice. Um, but my point being, like, there, there. I, I think that they're. I, I don't want to make excuses for the deception because I think they had to turn a blind eye. But I think they did out of uh, a lot of these people did out of the goodness of their heart. Did mm-hmm. it out of you know misunderstandings. This is why it's so important, important as Christians to arm ourselves with knowledge. Right. This is why these conversations are important. This is why reading your Bible is important because it's very clearly like the idea of a secret society, the idea of joining a fraternal brotherhood of don't share your faith, don't be about your faith. Mm-hmm. And um, actually we all collectively worship some thing, right? It, like that should be a pretty obvious, like just no go for Christians off the bat. But right. uh, people, you know, there's a lot of uh, people, you know, good intentions, right? Right. Uh, it goes on to say the invisible society is a secret and most august fraternity whose members are dedicated to the service of the mysterious arcanum arcanorum. Those brethren who have essayed to write the history of their craft have not included in their disquisitions, the story of the truly secret inner society, which is to the body Freemasonic, what the heart is to the body human hmm. in each generation. Only a few are accepted in the inner sanctuary of the work 
but these are the venerable princes of the truth, and their sainted names shall be remembered in future ages together with the seers and prophets of the elder world through the great uh, initiate philosophers of Freemasonry can be counted upon one's fingers. Yet their power is not to be measured by the achievements of ordinary men. They are dwellers upon the threshold of the innermost masters of what the secret doctrine, which forms the invisible foundation of every great theological and rational institution. So he's saying not only is there an outer brotherhood of the blue lodge masons, but even in the higher degrees, the, the, the people who are actually getting somewhere are so small that you can count them on one finger. Again, we're talking about like, is there that big of a gulf between 32nd degree and 33rd degree Freemasons? Or as some have suggested, and again, this is a future episode. So I'm just going to tease it a little bit. Is it possible that the, that the Illuminati quite literally did infiltrate the Freemasons and that the inner, the most inner order is the one that we've is heard about is the Illuminati, right? Is it, is huh. it, or whatever they go by. It doesn't have to be that name, but like, sure. is it possible that there is like that really inner, inner sanctum? And it seems to be that they're all kind of saying that right. there is right. And just how far that goes and what influence they have and what uh, is all a bigger debate. Um, but I want to just end this on giving you guys my beliefs on, on this and maybe reading a tweet. Um, and we have a discussion here, but I think and again, I'm putting off a lot of future episodes. There was a there was a hole in New York back in like the late 1800s. There was a big murder where a bunch of Freemasons conspired to kill a guy, burn a book house down and cover it all up and basically got away with it. There's, you know, all, like tons and tons and tons of different avenues we can go down. There is, I promise you, going to be a future episode about George Washington, about the, the shape of Washington, D.C., the monuments, the Freemasonic rights that built this country and why. Um, in fact, that book that I brought up earlier, The Craft, How Freemasonry Built the World, yes. makes the case that George Washington very intentionally deceived the people that this was a Christian nation, what was actually a Freemasonic nation, mm. and that it was good, actually. And we're going we're gonna to do that episode in the future. But the, the point I want to get to is, like, I feel like this reminds me of the episode that you did recently on the Skull and Bones, right? Where it's, we're constantly looking for a big overarching organization that we can pin it all in right. and it's the you know there's like a secret there's a table there's a round table and the the lizard people all sit around this round table in this organization it's probably the scottish free right mason right. lodge in washington dc or it's probably the skull and bones at yale or it's probably this i think that we're just so misunderstanding how this whole thing works right because as I said before, I, I very truly believe that Skull and Bones is part of schools. I th and what I say that is, I think that they are training the elite how to govern in the real world. I think mm -hmm. that the secret societies in, this, in the colleges are just another school in and of themselves. And in right. fact, the most important school that people like George Bush went to. I think that Freemasonry is the religion. I think it's very clearly a religion and I think it's a church and I think it works exactly like a church works. It takes tithing. It meets regularly. You only have to get in it deep as you want to. Do you want to be a deacon? Do you want to show up on Sundays? Do you want to show up only on Easter and Christmas? Do you want to go to Bible school and, you know, become a pastor? Do you, you know, like there's so much here that just resembles a church. And the more I listen to Freemasons, the more I understand that these people are adepts like that, like that want to be adepts. It's because they're trying to gain knowledge. Mm -hmm. It's not even about controlling the world. If, if I had to sum this up, I think that Freemasonry doesn't control the world. 
I think it just guarantees that the ones who do are subservient to Satan. I think that is literally the point of Freemasonry. Mm. And and, and I wish that it was just that people were rich and powerful and connected and that's all it was. But I think what we're doing is we're, we're realizing that we are fighting against adepts in black magic and alchemy and fallen angel eschatology. And unfortunately, so many of us are those Christians who go to church on Easter and Christmas and don't crack the Bible. And then when I'm, the more I'm listening to Freemasons, the more I'm reading their work, the more I'm seeing how deep their deceptions go, how convincing that it all can be and how evil it really is when you when you get to the bottom right. of it the more i don't think that we understand the battle we're in i think that atheism's dead I and mean, I think the next battle that we're getting into and we're seeing, we're seeing it take place on the World Economic Forum stage right. this week. is It's not atheists up there. It's spiritualists up there. It's witches up there right. because the next battle is not intellectual. It's spiritual and it's intellectual. And it's going to require more faith than just the basic, uh, oh, well, this guy said, you know, nothing, created nothing and exploded and right. made everything. Like, yeah, those battles that you were, you, we were having with the edgy 90s atheists are over. Like, everybody's determining which god they're worshiping. And there is all these people who are worshiping all these fallen angel gods, whether it's the New Age, whether it's Kabbalah, whether it's uh, whatever. Pick your poison, right? Mm-hmm. And they're all getting very serious about their faith. And what I wanted to say with this whole episode is, we have to be as equally or more serious about our faith because I'm seeing it coming down the Mm -hmm. pike. I'm seeing what this is. And I think that we're deceiving ourselves to think that we can just look at all these nifty, cool conspiracy theories about the Freemasons and come to the conclusion of getting blackpilled because they control everything instead of having a more honest take that this is a religion and that you can fight religion by actually being an adept in your own, right? And actually caring about your faith. The, w- the way that they fought in the Old Testament by tearing down the statues. Right. But we've been so psyoped by the Kabbalah tree, the Kabbalah tree, the tree of life, that we think that we have to defend the satanic statues, that we have to defend the Baphomet statue in Iowa, that we have to defend mm-hmm. the Albert Pike statue in, in Washington, D.C., because that's the conservative libertarian thing to do. We have so bought into the deception. Again, we've so bought into the deception that we believe, we, people honestly believe that, that the, the false dichotomy between Satanism and Luciferianism and argue right. over it. Right. Now, to be clear, I think that right now statues are being torn down so that they can build different idols up. So 100%. Like, obviously the spirit of a lot of what's being torn down is, <clears throat> is, is very badly intentioned to tear down these like quasi Christian American rah rah statues and replace them with with more overtly. But 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 then look what we saw happen in Iowa. We saw people defending yes. the statues for the last twenty years, and then a guy goes in and beheads a Baphomet statue. People are going, "Well, I stood for the Confederate statues, and that's the line I drew in the sand." You know, freedom, freedom of, of religion. religion. Yeah, it's this, it's all this bullshit. It's like no, you know, the oldest Christian tradition. The old, you know, before Christianity uh, in the Old Testament was tearing down the uh, satanic statue, the evil ball, ball statues and stuff like that in the high places. I love that tradition. I want to keep it alive. Um, but yeah, no, I just I, I don't know. Do you think I'm off on this? Do you think no, that this I is think you're right? I, I think it's interesting that that the lie about the, the one of the most common lies about religion is that like you can take any path you want to get to God, right? Yeah. That and, is what Freemasonry teaches, yes. Right. And but it's interesting that we seem to be expecting one path to get to evil world power. 
instead of multiple paths. Instead of, wait, wait, what does the Bible say? That it's a wide road that leads to destruction. It's a right. narrow road that leads to salvation. It's <laughs> right. almost like every single other religion that is this wide overarching master religion is is the wide path, right? That's mm -hmm. what it is. And in fact, I think, I, I think I said this earlier, but here's the thing. A lot of people will do these episodes and they'll try to teach you all of the, the, the Freemasonic secrets. So there's actually a word for people who are not Freemasons, who are like learn, trying to learn all the Freemasonic secrets. I'm actually not interested in doing it. I, I, I want right. to tell you guys enough to expose the evil for what it is. But I feel like I've watched so many good podcasters, Christian podcasters, or formerly Christian podcasters, who have spent all their time researching this dark stuff, and then they become all about it. They start to like right. crave the secret knowledge. They become Freemasons uninitiated. I, there's a word for it. The Freemasons have an insult for people who are like reading the Freemasonic secrets without going through the initiation rituals. But that's where a lot of people right. have gone. And me and Abby have had these conversations a bunch of times. It's like there's things where it's like, you know what? We don't have to say that on air. We're not because right. we're not here to like teach you guys how to be mystics and how to be uh, how to do right. rituals. Right. And I've seen a lot of people do it. And I'm just like, I want to expose the evil for what it is. I want to have a real conversation. I want to get a, a real understanding of what mm -hmm. it is without without being a, a useful idiot in right. spreading the religion of Freemasonry or whatever Gnosticism essentially is well, what it all boils down to. And there are things even in our research, like there are things in our research that we find and we're like, we're not going to share this. And then there are other things in our research right. where we're like, we could read about sex magic, but I don't need to know how to do sex magic rit rituals. That I, seems I like read an hour of a sex have. magic book and went, nope, I don't nope. even care. I, yeah. I understand the basics enough to like call out for what it is and recognize it when people are doing it. But I don't need the, I don't need the ins and outs of how right. Aleister Crowley did his rituals. You know, like, some things there is no knowledge is not a good to pursue for its own ends. That's also the, the early lie of, you know, the garden of Eden. It's, it's just one of those right. lies like knowledge in and of itself is good. And that's where the Gnostics come in on, on right. the issue. So anyway, um, that stuff. is what I have for you guys. Look, we're going to do more Freemason stuff. Um, please leave a comment or write to us or leave a review, leave a five-star review for the show. If you like the show, it's the easiest way to support it for free and uh, let us know what you'd like us to do. Cause I feel like I over researched for this one and I've got mm. like nine shows, like half written. Um, I had to like really narrow this down to like what I wanted to say tonight. Um, but there are so many avenues to go with this. I want to talk about the Illuminati. I want to talk about the Rose Rosicrucians. I want to talk about Washington DC. Uh, so let us know. We're going to head over. Uh, oh, I didn't even say this. At the beginning of the show. We're not on YouTube tonight, guys. Um, obviously, if you're watching right now live, you know this, but we got uh, our video from last week got a strike. We still can't stream till tomorrow, I think. Do you think it's uh, so because I, I use the hashtags, hashtag trans agenda, <laughs> hashtag vaccine infertility is was it me? I think it was that. I, I think it was that. that. And then the fact that we just said all of it on the show. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was a little poke in the eye at YouTube. So look, well, this one's not on YouTube. Um, if you're listening to this later, come over to rumble.com slash conspiracy build. Uh, come over, join our locals, do all that good stuff. We're going to head over. I have a tweet that I'm going to read to you guys that are watching live that I think is something that me and Abby have talked about, but it's being talked about in a, in a, in a bigger way right now. And I, I feel like I actually have an answer to it where most people don't. So we're going to get to that. We're going to read your super chats, all that good stuff. Um, but thank you guys for watching and listening. Come over and join us next Wednesday. Have a great night, everyone. God bless. Bye.